Hello, I'm Jen, the CEO of the Out of Practice Podcast Empire. I'm here to announce that the state of our podcast, well, it isn't that strong. The numbers are down universally in regards to our show, our audience, and popular opinion of our hosts. Some suits at the network have lobbied to shut the show down. Some have asked that Keith and Mike be replaced with sock puppets with more personality. Others still have suggested we move the podcast to our sister podcast streaming service, Poopsie. Well, after careful deliberation, I have decided purely on gut, and despite all clear evidence to the contrary, to officially renew the podcast for season six. After all, you have to admit those jingles are catchy as hell. With this momentous announcement out of the way, and a hefty mimosa poured, it is now my pleasure to introduce two middle-aged white guys who have shoehorned themselves into suits that do not fit, Keith and Mike. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I miss the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Oh, you've got a tie on. Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Oops, we did it again. It's the season five oopsies. It took a worldwide pandemic, and you still couldn't shut us down. Out of Welcome to the Season 5 Out of Practice Oopsie Awards. Tonight, we hand out the prestigious awards for distinguished achievements on the Practice Season 5. Starring Dylan McDermott. Cameron Mannheim. Steve Harris, Lisa Gay Hamilton, Lara Flynn Boyle, She Make Me Happy, Kelly Williams, Jason Kravitz, and Marla Sokoloff, with appearances by Bruce Davidson, Colin Taylor, CCH Pounder, Bruce Davidson, Michael Emerson, Ernie Sabella, Renee Aubergenois, that creepy guy from the Green Mile. Bruce Davidson is still here. Unnecessary crossovers. Pregnancy drama. <laughs> Dookie. <laughs> Helen McMurderer. Explosion. Assassination. Anal leakage. Fourth wall getting massa chewed to pieces. Babies, babies, and babies. And Bruce Davidson won't leave. And now your hosts, Keith Varney and, and Michael Indiglio. Oh, we timed it out so perfectly. Holy <laughs> shit. <laughs>
I'm already laughing. I'm already <laughs> laughing. We did it. Here we are on the stage at the Out of Practice uh, Amphitheater for our season five oopsies. Keith, 20% capacity allowed in today, 20%, which uh, of zero turns out uh, to still be zero. No, st- absolutely. And uh, everybody is is masked, um, which they were before to protect their identity, uh, but now <laughs> yeah. also for, for safety. Uh, yeah, so uh, first off, I think we should just point out um, we have brought the first class fashion uh, again. This uh, swag, baby. Swag. We last did last time we did tuxedos, but now we are uh, doing some very uh, classy fashion. If you're not watching on the YouTube, uh, what are you doing? Yeah, really you no be point. Really no point because we've worked so hard on the video of this for no reason. So mm-hmm. please, at least uh, give it a view because there's a lot going on. Keith, I do uh, want to point out that despite our fashion. I still am rocking mismatched socks and PJ pants. Oh, oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think I'm wearing hard pants, you are sorely mistaken, <laughs> sir. Uh, uh, but le- I, I am wearing a uh, silver uh, suit with a silver tie and a uh, beautiful black shirt from Van Heusen. And you ooh. are wearing, uh, looks like a red jacket with an oops t-shirt. And uh, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I, I'm just getting uh, Twitter is already a buzz. Oh my goodness, are we are we are we trending? Yeah, I think we might be trending on on Twitter. Uh, did, did, did are you are you looking at the list there? Maybe maybe oh, something yeah. came in about my about my uh, my jacket. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, yours are funnier. So why don't you read mine first? <laughs> I, we should go back and forth, man. Oh, you're absolutely right. Okay, so uh, so oh wait, hold on, Chris Farley at Chris, Chris Farley, Farley is written in. Yeah, he back wrote uh, in regards to at Keith. I already did the fat guy in a little coat joke, he says, Keith. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, uh, to be fair, I bought this uh, jacket in 2011 in Korea when I was a much younger man and uh, much more confident that I wasn't going to bloat up. Oh, that's uh, the, the suit you're wearing in all the award picks. That's right. I wore this on national television in Korea mm-hmm. and then got super fat. And I can, like, talk about not being able to button. I oh, can't even, I can, like, no. I can't even like reach for my uh, <laughs> the way the microphone food. is cropping out your tie. You you sort of look like you're a priest who decided <laughs> to like get spruced up for the eve. That's not a good thing. Oh, I'm getting another tweet Just uh, in? about about your suit. Oh uh, yeah, at old guy next door raves. Are you okay? Do you need any help? <laughs> I haven't seen you out of the house in months. Uh, I'm I'm thank you for your concern and Little the concern. Uh, and nice. the religious paraphernalia you keep leaving on my door. I, I appreciate both and uh, I oh, assure you nice. I'm doing uh, you know all right. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> Keith at Jillian Keith's wife. Uh, oh yeah, what a very indicative uh, handle. Yeah, you, uh, you think this should be just just herself? I don't know why she would identify herself that way. Maybe because in real life she didn't want her full name on the podcast. <laughs> she bemuses. <laughs> I used to work in a mob-owned Italian restaurant downtown. You look mm-hmm. like a guy who would come in wearing too many rings and drunk noir. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually her joke. She said that this morning uh, when she saw my outfit. Uh, it was it was impressive. She said those, those guys, like the old like mob guys with all the rings and their suits are a little too small. They're they're always coming in with their uh, mistresses, who they called uh, Meals on Heels. Oh wow! Ouch. Nice. Uh, oh, wait, I, I'm getting another one. Uh, oh, look at this. Uh, 
at that Starbucks girl uh, demurs about your outfit. Uh, Cat threw up on your jacket there, huh? Oh, no, no, this this is what the fashionistas call rust, Keith. This is a rust oh, color. Oh, rust. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, it's not me. It was uh, that Starbucks girl. So, uh, Little story, I got to tell you. Uh, yeah. I bought this uh, when I was going on a cruise contract because I was like, oh, it's contemporary. It's hip. It's nice. And I was going to mm-hmm. wear it with these like cool leather shoes. Anyhow, uh, first day I wore it uh, with a T-shirt and uh, the blazer style like you got here because no real tie mm-hmm. goes with like this throw-up color. Right, right. Uh, uh, the dining hall sent me back. They said no. I was on a Cunard ship, it turns out, and they said... Oh, wow. All right. Oh, Get Keith. Get a tie, sir. Yeah. Keith, uh, at Keith from when he bought this suit uh, oh. says... Uh, he's tweeting in. Uh, uh-huh. This is a trending. It says, dude, what happened? Did you did you eat the last decade? I did. At least you must be super rich and famous and powerful to get away with looking like that. What? Oh, you have a podcast? Oh, how many listeners? F- for the week? Oh, well, well, that's not too bad. Oh, you mean all time? Oh, no. Uh, and who do you host the show with? Well, you know what? I don't want to know. So, good tweet. Yep. I, don't, I don't know that that meets the character limit, but... Uh... I, they extended it for Trump, oh, okay. so... Cool. Uh, oh, wait, I'm getting another one here. Uh, at Mike's actual mom says, uh, <laughs> You need to start running again. I can see your belly. Yeah, that was from this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, if my mom did that, I push her in front of a car. Yeah, she, which I'd like to. I'd like to point out, my mom is now listening. Well, she can see your belly too, Keith. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she can see it from space. <laughs> the Mars rovers send it in high def pics. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yeah, although, yeah, I'll, I'll talk and tell you about it later. But uh, she, yeah, she was actually like been listening to episodes it's pretty awesome that is cool uh oh you know what shoot i have another i, I have another couple tweets coming in oh you do i, I, I oh no because I, I i'm fresh i'm plum out yeah oh it's so funny uh it, 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 they're all about your outfit i don't know why, oh, why no. that would happen all of a sudden who could have uh, possibly done that i don't know actually you know what will ferrell oh no <laughs> will ferrell just tweeted he says uh mike your costume for a night at the roxbury is perfect Except oh, no. you look like me in old school, not in Roxbury. But your co-host is rocking a legendary center part. Oh, nice. Which he, he wore in Roxbury. Uh, oh, uh, there's another one. At Glory Days. Says, the musical? Uh, uh, no. no. <laughs> oh, we are not cut. hot enough to be in there. That is a deep cut. I saw that. Anyway. Uh, at Glory Days says... Uh, Weren't most middle-aged guys desperately trying to cling to the 90s actually cool in the 90s? <laughs> no. It's it's like you're still wearing those Oshkosh bagashes from first grade when you peed yourself in Mrs. O'Brien's class. Ooh. 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 I had a Mrs. O'Brien. She was a gym teacher. I had Ms. Mrs. O'Brien was my uh, first grade teacher. And uh, and lastly, hey, Spencer's Gifts <laughs> says... Uh, <laughs> Ah, the ironic t-shirt with a coat. It's like a beacon that says, I'm still a virgin, but I'm trying something new. <laughs> Wait, Keith, I'm having, there's, I just, this just came in. Hold on. This, uh, oh, another one came in? <laughs> yeah. It's from at that altar boy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
I'm getting I'll, rid of this mic. I'll leave it there. <laughs> no. Uh, we haven't even started yet, folks. Oh my God. Uh, so we have a uh, just it, it, just to chit chat a little bit. First off, uh, we have a big celebration this weekend because it is our CEO Jen's birthday. Ooh, which I guess we can celebrate now that she's renewed us. Yes, what a relief. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I was I was pretty scared. I was I wasn't sure we were going to get the renewal, but we're very happy. Uh, happy birthday, CEO Jen. Thanks for the renewal. She had a great birthday. All she wanted to do was get a hair iron thing so she could do beach waves because I think that's a thing. Anyway, those are the words that she said, so I'm assuming that they are a thing. Uh, and do her puzzle, which she did until like two o'clock in the morning last night. So uh, that sounds awesome. It was fun. It, you know, I went to pick up breakfast for us. I did. I didn't make breakfast. I went and picked it up from a, a local establishment, and uh, it was full to the brim. And there was a line out the door. So I guess, yay, we did it. Yeah, it's all done, right? Yay! I guess so. Yikes! 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 We we actually got uh, got takeout last night. Um, as well, and speaking of Italian places, we uh, just went and got some Jersey Italian takeout, and I got a, a carbonara, which I really enjoy. But Jersey Italian food is very different than uh, than the Italian food I'm used to, mm. because I felt like this plate of pasta was actively trying to kill me. <laughs> like, the pasta came in, like, half an inch of, like, oil or melted butter. I don't even know what it was, but when it congealed and the bottom and I, I I couldn't even like wash it out. I had to scrape out. It was horrible. It was it was not a pasta dish. It was a murder weapon. Keith, I think you're gonna have to Jersey pasta take out that suit. Take it out where? No no I mean you know, like it's like a you take it out. It's not a good suit. You, you make it, no, no 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 it's too small. You need to take it out. Oh <laughs> You know, the best jokes are ones you have to explain for three minutes. <laughs> there is no taking out this suit. There is no... The, the, I love the that you have it fabric still. It needs... Well, because I I actually... Uh, I bought it when I was in Korea. And uh, we went to this... Um, there's this tailor right outside the U.S. military base in Daegu. And so he had like these great deals and he was making full suit, custom suits for like 200 bucks a piece. So, uh, so I went and I, I bought a couple and uh, this was like the crazy one, like the silver, like reflective sort of a deal because we were, um, because the awards show for the festival was nationally televised. So I, and, and we were performing on it and we won some stuff. And uh, so I wanted to have something like cool and Hey, I don't think it I, it ever became cool. It, look, I was trying, okay? It, this was my this was my glory day. <laughs> and uh, but the problem was it was already a little too small then. Mm. And I was uh, maybe 55 to 60 pounds lighter than I am now. <laughs> it was uh it was, it was really quite something, but it it was definitely uh, it was a look, and so it it this is more like a memory. Like I could never wear this. I don't think, I don't think anyone, like my left leg couldn't wear this anymore. I, actually, it's it's very symmetric because last year at this time I wore the uh, My Glory Day Frankie Valley jacket, 
And right. uh, now I, there's no hope of even trying to get into that. So uh, what a difference a year makes, which I guess segues us into a, a little chit chat we should discuss. Oh, uh, oh, you mean, is it is it time to talk about this summer? in the basement. Time to talk about yes. this summer in the basement. So b- between season five and season six, we spent the summer of 2001. You know, we, we talk about like the last summer of innocence, the last whatever. This is kind of that for the country. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I You sent me some pictures. or Is that where we're I going did? right now? Okay. Yeah, let's, let, let's do that. Which, should we start here? I'll just show one and you talk to me about it. That sounds great. So this summer, uh, my girlfriend and I, uh, as I mentioned before, we stayed in Rochester that summer uh, because we wanted to get an apartment for my senior year and the, the lease was for a full year, blah, 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 blah. But the the best thing that we did that summer is we adopted a kitten that we named Frog. And there is Frog uh, when he was a kitten. In our first apartment there, he was awesome. He would be joined by a brother, which we will talk about when that happens. Um, but yeah, it was like a crazy, my first sort of adult-ish summer. Um living uh, with my girlfriend and working at a job. Uh, and I what I, I worked at a brand new little sort of like it wasn't a bakery. it was like a it was like a convenience store slash super high-end sandwich shop. okay. And uh, I was one of the very first employees there and so it was it was my first time sort of as like a line cook. So I'd be doing you know super good sandwiches, but also some like you know egg stuff so I had to learn how to do all that kind of stuff and some grilled chicken like it wasn't like a crazy wasn't like a chef or anything like that but I was doing some line cooking in that restaurant um again making like the princely sum of almost seven dollars an hour uh but you know our rent was five hundred dollars a month which we split between the two of us at that point um so I had a had a really fun time at that at that uh at that place and then I found out years later um I was talking to my friend Derek who works who was is from Rochester. I mentioned the place that I worked at and he's like, "What, Magnolias?" because Barack Obama dropped in to that little deli that I huh. worked at a few years later and there he is and be in the counter behind him is the one I worked at all summer. So it was it was a uh, pretty cool. I did not uh, uh not try to accept a sandwich uh, from that guy on the podcast. Sounds beyond sanitary. At oh, least. What if any man was going to give me a panini? Actually, you know, my Obama is very, very Yogi Bear. <laughs> a panini, hey, hey, hey. Panini. has panini. been getting into a lot of picanica baskets. Uh, picanica. Uh, get some uh, cheese on it. Yeah. Yeah, this, uh, was a, yeah, this was an interesting summer for myself as well. Uh, I finished sure. the run of Tribute, uh, which was a, a show I talked about at the Dutch Country Players here in Pennsylvania. And... Uh, my girlfriend at the time, our ex-girlfriend, we were in that, you know, lovely in-between period I've, I've talked about many times. Always fun. Really convinced me that I should leave where I lived and, and get out. And so at the time, I was taking a few classes at Westchester University, some computer classes. And on an old Apple, I was learning Adobe something or other, Adobe Creative Suite, like the first version. And Sure. <clears throat> I did. I went to New York City on my on my own and with my Frank Wildhorn's This is the Moment and Simple Gifts. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
and simple gifts. I auditioned at 73rd Street and Broadway at the Ansonia. Uh, wow. And that was where our, my little school, AMDA, the conservatory, was housed at the moment. Now it's got campuses all over the place. Uh, you can actually get a degree there. That was not the case for me. <clears throat> but uh, it was... It was sort of a, a, a pretty monumental moment for myself. Wait, so you started at AMDA that summer? Uh, I actually ended up going that fall, but this is when I auditioned this oh, summer. You auditioned that summer. for AMDA. Oh. And I remember and... I auditioned for uh, Christian Fletcher and uh, Elaine Petrikoff and this guy, Darren Cohen, who would go on to be one of my coaches for many, many years. Uh, <laughs> they probably they probably would prefer I don't associate my career trajectory with them, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, That's true, like Amda's stock just nosedived. Uh, but I remember I remember after I sang This Is The Moment, they asked me, I, can't, I wish I could remember, they're like, well, just pick up, what's a pop song you love? And I remember I, my go-to is always uh, Radiohead's Creep, and they asked me to sing that, and I think that's when they were like, okay, he's got a modicum of talent. And, uh, you know, because you don't, Generally, generally a Frank Wildhorn, uh, this is the moment is not, should not be your go-to <laughs> audition song. But I didn't, I hadn't learned that yet. So we I guess. We didn't know. I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit last week. Like we were just children. We had no idea what was appropriate. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll top that bad decision and I'll, I'll give you this one. So uh, when I was doing uh, summer, theater summer camp back in, I think it was like 95. So I was only like 15 and they had, so, you know, bring in a song. And I was like, I can't, trying to find something that was in the right key for me. Uh, and uh, so I went in there with a straight face without uh, thinking anything about why this would be weird. I sang I Dreamed a Dream. Oh, from okay. <laughs> Sung by a female prostitute who at that point had lost all of her teeth and hair. And this 15-year-old boy was like, I dreamed a dream and time run by. <laughs> Bad. Uh, you, you know what I remembered? I wish I don't have a I don't have a copy of it. I wish I did. So I don't know if I actually m ever mentioned this, but when I first went to Ithaca, which I've already left at this point in our podcast history, I had right. I was studying as a countertenor. I was placed as a countertenor, right. and the first performance I had to do uh, was with this guy Bruce, and we sang two countertenors sang the PAA Zoo. Uh, the oh, that's that uh, I think it's the Andrew Lloyd Webber. Am I am I mistaken? I Sarah Brightman always one. sings it. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that one. Uh, and I, I know that I have a, I know that I have it recorded somewhere, and I got to <gasps> find it. But speaking of Keith, I wanted to. Uh, one of my favorite parts about the Oopsie Spectacular is that we kind of surprise each other with random things. Uh oh. No, 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 not yet. I'm not going to embarrass you just yet. <laughs> Uh, okay. The first thing I wanted to say is that you know I've mentioned my my girlfriend and, I, and the song that was sort of uh, stolen and 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 reappropriated to oh, right. different events. Right, in my life. right, right. Now I don't. I will not. You and I both know that there are certain things you keep in the vault because you just can't listen to. I forced oh, myself yeah. to find. So I found that this summer I had recorded. She, so we were like broken up, but I was kind of trying to get back in. But then I did some stupid stuff, and she like didn't want to get back with me which is for the best, our, both of our lives turned out so much better because of that. Uh, but I did try hard. And so I recorded a version of the song, which I found <gasps> from the summer of 2001. Yes. <laughs> it might've been a little earlier, but this is, uh, you know, the, what's important is that I found it. I will not, it is, 
It is a very bloviated version of the song. It is eight minutes and 45 minutes long, 45 yes. seconds long. And I do this minute and 10 second intro. And all I had was my acoustic guitar with too many crazy effects on it, out of tune, mm -hmm. and like a Casio keyboard. And I decided for some reason, my musical genius, that I was gonna have like a pan flute solo. <laughs> Yes. So where I will not play you the song, I will play you the one minute and five second intro, including oh, pan yes. flute. Uh, hopefully this works. Uh, oh. Let's see if I can get it. You ready? Y yes. <clears throat> let's, let's all listen. Oh my God, strings? Oh, I, I went for it. Dissonance? I mean, there's yeah, a pan flute. There's, there's a... Oh, those caps. How about bad drums? I gotta, I, I gotta say, like, and and I hate to, I hate to throw a little moment of sincerity into this nonsense, but uh, uh, pan flute decision aside, <laughs> how many times in your forty years, Keith, have you had to say, yeah, you know, pan flute decision aside? <laughs> You know, uh, more than you'd think somebody who has asked for advice on music. No, uh, uh, I'm telling like you were you were you are still you were such a talented little motherfucker because like like that's a like that's great. I mean, like obviously the technology has improved or whatever, but like I'd want to hear the rest of that song, you know, pan flute aside. Pan flute aside. Yeah, actually, I have to let you listen to my college things. The other thing I was I was trying to pull up uh, to play because it happened just recently in this timeline is, you know, one of the classes I loved from Ithaca before I inevitably left was this uh, history of the recording arts with uh, David Rothbart, mm. Dr. David Rothbart. Uh, so fascinating because it began with a, a bunch of atonality and ambient, uh, what most people would call noise. I think we've discussed this before. And I had to record, a, we had to do a big project and I was just fascinated with it. And I, I, it was like a 12 minute piece and I, I did, and I, I was scored pretty well on it. I had a lot to learn, obviously it was a freshman, but uh, it's on reel to reel. So I, I, there is literally no way to access it to play. Oh, you know, my father has one. Oh yeah? Yeah, oh, get I'd it love to, me. to yeah, okay. Um, I, I'll see if we can, we, I think he still has one. He definitely had one at some point and was like taking stuff off of it. Uh, yeah, well, we should we should move on because we have a, we have a lot of stuff we do, we do, to we do. do. We're gonna we're we, we're gonna finish. So stick around. 
Uh, we're gonna finish the show with with some with some bloopers. You're gonna we enjoy. We got some great stuff. We got some. Great uh, we've got some great stuff coming up. Um, uh, but I I will also say, uh, thinking about the what you just played, your recording technique and abilities were so vastly superior to mine at that point. <laughs> I I I have so much material from that time, but I'm not just embarrassed about the uh, but the writing of it. But also the recording and performance yeah, I feel that of it way is too. unplayable. Uh, well, whereas I was, what, what I, you just did there was like, oh, that's like pretty much done. Well, it was on a Tascam. I was using a Tascam legit cassette four track. Hell but yeah, Keith, I want to show you something real quick. Oh. I think I've did. I think I've showed it before. Hold on, it's here. I'm sure of it. I just saw it an hour ago. Show me some stuff. Hold on. All right. Yes. Well, here. I, no, 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 here it is. So you just lambasted your own... Oop, I just broke a CD. Uh, there goes history. <laughs> I want to show you, because I still have... Oh, what, oh God, that's, that's one of the Christmas cop-outs. That's geekish tendencies. That is unquestionably the worst Christmas cop-out CD I ever put out. But I mean, look uh, at the artistic <clears throat> direction. Look at the framing. I mean, this is not a. This is not. Don't don't well, sell I yourself mean, short. No, visually. I mean, as a as a graphic designer, like I was, I was sort of where you were. Music. I was like, all right, I'm an I'm an enthusiastic amateur. I'm still figuring out the toys. The toys are pretty limited back in twenty years ago, uh, but I'm doing it. I the the music production element of it was a disaster. Um, and well, and, uh, your brother was like a pro, is a pro, right? Or, oh, for yeah. sure, yeah. yeah and obviously, I, I I think he didn't speak to me for about fifteen years after trying to piece together my bullshit uh, for the Christmas cop out CDs. <laughs> Wait, so we okay, we're gonna move ahead. But I did want to I, I did want to point out before we do uh, because yeah. I know that hot cat content is what's keeping us uh, renewed for season six. Yeah, I do want to let everybody know that Dee Dee Boy had made it through his surgery. Oh yes, yes, uh, five teeth removed as well as all of my monies. And uh, he is a champ. He's actually, his mood has actually s pretty distinctly changed. I think he was actually pretty uncomfortable, which is why he was so snappy. And so oh, he's actually guy. sleeping over here right now like a good little boy. So Dee Dee's good. Thank you for That's all great. of the uh, messages and text and stuff. And th job. By that, I mean Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Didi. Charlie is uh, asleep in his chair. He is, he's now claimed a chair uh, behind the uh, the green screen that I hung up on a mic stand. So, uh, all right, let us move forward. And I, I, I'm not doing a, a full one, but I've got a few little things from the summer. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Summer. Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. All right, so this summer, the summer of 2001, the top movies were The Fast and the Furious, the first one. Never watched Legally them. Blonde, which became a musical. Jurassic Park 3 which I saw in the theaters and thought was underrated. I think it's a very enjoyable romp. And Planet of the Apes, the bad one, <laughs> with Marky Mark. Oh the top songs included Lady Marmalade from the Moulin Rouge soundtrack, which is also now a musical. You Remind Me by Usher, or performed, I don't know if Usher wrote it. I've, it always, I've talked about this before, but like every time they say 
the singer who sang it wrote the song. They didn't necessarily write the song. They just sang it. And Fallen by Alicia Keys. And for a very quick... It's time time for sports. So, I'm going to give a tainted sports update. The summer of 2001 included Barry Bonds spent the summer roid smashing baseballs on a way to a record 73 home runs. Oh, that was then. Lance Armstrong roid smashed his way through winning the Tour de France. Vince McMahon roid smashed his finances in the inaugural and only season of XFL football until he did it the next year. All right. Summer so, of roids is what you're saying? Summer of roids. It was a definitely, it was a very roidy summer. All right. So now it is time to talk about what happened in the awards season for the practice. In the 2001 Emmys, hosted by Ellen DeGeneres, we were up for Best Guest Actor. The nominees for Best Guest Actor included Michael Emerson. Renee Aubergenois, and from other shows that are dumb, James Cromwell for ER, Patrick Dempsey for Once and Again, and Oliver Platt for West Wing. And do you want to know who won? Can you guess? Possibly because I sent you the picture? Could it have been this guy? Michael Emerson! Mr. Hanks won an Emmy for that Season uh, for season five of The Practice, way to go. It was Michael Emerson's first Emmy. And uh, he beat out Rene Aubergenois uh, as Judge Doofus on The Practice. Well, that's also, nuts that, that his uh, Mr. Hanks' head in the freezer is what won his first Emmy. Emmy. It, it was, yeah. Well, it was, uh, you know, it, he gave the greatest of the serial killer monologues in season five of The Practice. And uh, you get an Emmy. So Keith, let me talk. This just in. Yeah. Keith, this yeah, yeah. just in. Uh, I, I I love when we can break hot news on the pod. Mm, as mm. we are recording this today, it will air yes. tomorrow. So as we're recording this today, uh, we have a big 60th birthday sharing the day after CEO Jen's birthday. Cameron Manheim's birthday is today. She turns 60. Hey, Cameron Manheim, happy birthday, Cameron. Way to uh, you know be born. <laughs> She's also, you know, one of uh, one of my producers, Sherry. Uh, is it's her birthday today as well? Lots of good birthdays this weekend. Absolutely. Okay. Well, what else? We All got, right. Keith? Let me give you some more Emmy awards. The practice was nominated for outstanding casting for a drama series. Janet Gilmore and Megan McConnell lost. We were nominated for outstanding cinematography. Dennis Smith for The Deal, Lost. We were nominated for Outstanding Editing. Suzanne Mollis, The Day After, Lost. We were nominated for Outstanding Sound Mixing. Clark King, David John West, Eric Klopanen. We got it. And David Donoff, Lost. We were nominated for Outstanding Drama Series. And the nominees are The West Wing, ER, Law and Order, The Practice, and The Sopranos. I believe we have a clip. Let's see who won. And the Emmy goes to. 
the West Wing. Ah, oh, God damn it. Uh, okay, all right. Moving forward. There it is. Up. They were nominated in the Golden Globes for Best Actor, Andre Brower from Gideon's Crossing, James Gandolfini, The Sopranos, Rob Lowe for The West Wing, Martin Sheen for The West Wing, and Dylan McDermott for The Practice. And we lost to Martin Sheen. We were nominated for Best Television Series. The nominees are CSI, ER, the Sopranos, The West Wing, and The Practice. And we lost to The West Wing again! Oh, man. Okay, it is now time to talk about not the stupid awards like the Emmys and the Golden Globes and the stuff that doesn't matter. Not the... We have to talk about the real stuff. And that means the Season 5 Out of Practice podcast... Oopsie Awards. Folks, are we excited? Are we psyched? I hope we're psyched. Because this is a really big deal. Should we roll the bumper? Sure, roll it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsie. Celebrating excellence in acting good. Lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, they're the most important fake awards about the practice. I think I can say that definitively. We are yeah. the most important fake awards about the practice. 100%. And first up, the Out of Practice Podcast Season 5 Most Valuable Lawyer Nominees Helen Gamble, The Deal, Friends and Ex Lovers, and Gideon's Crossover. Bobby Donnell, Appeal and Denial, Show and Tell, An Early Frost, The Day After, and What Child Is This? Harland Bassett, Brothers Keepers, Home of the Brave, The Case of Harland Bassett, and finally Jimmy Berluti from We Hold These Truths, The Confession, and Awakenings. Okay, we have some very important deliber- deliberations. Some heavy hitters. Uh, do you want to go by the analytics first? Should we start there? Yes. So uh, the analytics, which I need to pull up. Keep your pants on. Jesus. Uh, where the heck did I write them down? Well, whatever. The analytics say <laughs> that... Uh, what the hell? Where did I put these? <laughs> You know what? You talk for a while, and I'll see if I can find the... This is a great episode. What Keith just did was say, yes, let's look at the analytics, which, you know, generally analytics are very specific. And then he said, ah, who cares? The analytics, as if he was going to just summarize pulling them out of his ass and the midair. I did save them somewhere. I mean, I trust that you did. It sounds like... uh, Well, my guess is that Bob... I mean, clearly, Harlan Bassett's not going to have the most MVLs, but he did have a big one. 
Well, actually, these are the top four. So the, uh, the nominees, just to peel behind the curtain, it, the nominees always come from the uh, the actual analytics. So if I uh, remember, I'm so disappointed now. I'm so disappointed well, in myself. Well, you read them off, right? You read the name of the, the episodes. The, the episodes that they won for. Yeah, but I don't have the actual numbers uh, of how many that. they won. Uh, but I believe, if my memory is correct, that Helen Gamble actually was in first place with the analytics. Yeah, and you know she's had a she's had a she's had a moral sort of journey this year with her cases. Uh, most valuable. Well, you know, I, she I she won she won eight MVLs between the two of us for the season. Yeah, and so, her and her law sort of. Her use of the system is really kind of a, a big portion of this of this season. Uh, in fact, good friend of the show, Phoenix Cage, was discussing her sort of code of ethics in the YouTube yeah. chats this week. Uh, but, you know, I keep coming back to Harlan and that little girl uh, and the amount of people, the, the precedent that that case in, the, in our fictional universe sets. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People coming uh, for, the, for the drug company. And it's hard for me to shake it. Now, Bobby, I remember, did get did get himself out of prison, and he also got a lot of bad guys off this year. That's that is true. Bobby was uh, maybe should have been convicted for murder, uh, but he didn't argue his own case. Correct. I was going to just get that he wasn't the, the lead counsel on that. And I'm trying to think, Jimmy. You know, he's always a sleeper. What were some of his big hits this season? Well, the what Jimmy did was he won the giant $72 million verdict in the swing set case. So I believe, or was, or was that Lindsay? <laughs> you know, some of us should have, you know, no, that totally was, that totally was Lindsay. She okay. won a big case. She won the biggest case of the season financially and then went and had a baby. So she didn't do a lot of lawyering after that uh, because she's usually right up there in the MVLs. Uh, so I'm going to make – here, I'm going to make a case. Okay. I'm going to make a case for either Helen or Harlan Bassett uh, because Helen, you know, it depends, on, it depends on whether we consider her murdering lawyering. Uh, because uh, I, I don't I don't necessarily think that we do. But the other thing that Helen did, she also uh, with working with Lucy, defended a lot uh, or tried to prosecute a lot of uh, people dealing with sexual assault, and I think that that is important. Although I think she gets dinged for uh, mansplaining, for for yeah, uh, for blaming the, the the victim and not believing this that the other thing. But she was very effective. And uh, whereas Harland came up from a lower floor, we had lower expectations of Harland. And he really uh, uncovered his abilities there. And, and we discovered in the case of Harland Bassett that his limitation was nerves and not ability. Whereas Helen is showing not only can she lawyer in, in, uh, by using all of the tools of the trade, and pushing the boundaries as far as they can possibly go. But she was doing so under the highest of stakes, generally. Uh, 
be it in, in high stress cases, in the face of her her colleague and, and friend being murdered, mm-hmm. under the threat of her own murder. And so, look, I really wanna give it to Harlan, I really do, but I do think that in a season uh, of such a an arced arc for Helen, uh, I think she still proves that she can, uh, she can, although I will say that the long tail of Harlan's case, like I said, the precedent it sets is going to continue valuable lawyering for for years to come, but I, 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 my edge goes to Helen here. Well, That's my gut. I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm going to make an, I'm going to make an argument for okay. Harlan. Please do. Uh, Cause we need to be unanimous. We need to be, that's, that is the thing about the season oopsies. Harlan, if you remember the first time we saw him, he did that brilliant switcheroo with his fake cousin uh, and <laughs> did like the scene. double switch and, and uh, drove, I think it was Linda Hunt, just absolutely up the wall. This is the television show. If I, if I wanted, if I were in a jam, and I needed to like get away with murder or something like that, I would want Helen in my corner. But if I wanted to watch a television show, if I wanted the most entertaining lawyer, it's definitely Harlan Bassett. If, and like, it, cause, cause it's, cause when you get Harlan, you also get Eugene. You get the bonus of Eugene. So, uh, and their buddy cop story. So I, I think, you know, just in terms of like, who's, who do I want to see on my screen uh, that will make me happy every time? Helen might piss me off sometimes. She's exciting, but she might also be just like, oh, Jesus Christ. So Keith, yeah. what it sounds like to me mm. is that it's a case here of Hakuna Matata versus Hakuna, <laughs> I'm gonna get you shata. And it sounds to me like you're feeling more Hakuna Matata. And since this is a celebration of the season. It is a celebration. Let's celebrate and say Hakuna Matata, Harlan yes. Bassett, MBL. Season five MBL is Harlan Bassett. He came back the unexpected victory at the last second again. Nobody thinks Harlan's going to win and Harlan dead. He's not even a cast series Keith, regular. did you check the Easter egg of the of the episode with Har- the, the Rocky episode, what I put as the Easter egg reveal? No, I didn't. It is a, it is a, you have to go, see, so you have to watch the last at least five minutes of the podcast because it's, <laughs> I, I found a, a weird gif of Harlan Bassett when he, or of, uh, of, uh, Ernie Sabella. Ernie Sabella when he was on Seinfeld, I uh, should I'll see if I can play it here from the episode, but uh, I'll roll it. But it's it's him when he was naked on the subway, and he's just like I don't think I saw. He's that just one. like fat and naked, and uh, then I superimposed Rocky uh, hitting the meat bags on top of him. So it's been, <laughs> you have to go back and look at it. I guess. Wow! Wow! Yeah. yeah. Tint- scintillating. You know, this is the problem. Like I, we spend so much time on this. And so much effort, but we don't actually watch what we do. <laughs> no, Jen came in last week. She's like, hey, do you know that like none of the bumpers are playing? I was like, oh, yeah, Keith told me they were broken, and I just didn't put them in. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you put all of this, all of this effort in. <laughs> all of this work. All of this effort, yes. Those are words that been... should be used. Wait, so the bumpers included the, the, the theme song. So there's like 45 seconds of no, no, silence. No, 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 You got then... all the bumpers played. The only thing that I, I was trying to edit out the stuff where, remember I was doubled on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all you didn't hear was when you played uh, 
Drowsy Chaperone, which which rendered oh. our whole five minute story about Drowsy Chaperone totally moot. <laughs> Speaking of moot, <laughs> oh boy. Oh wait, where's my sound? Oh, it's going good, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Dude, you know what? You just go with it. I'm gonna. I'll do the sound. Do, 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 do. Nope. Nope. That's. I've aborted that option. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Hold on. <laughs> Shit. We might have to cut again. We'll cut again. Uh, <sighs> oh wait. No, that's working. Okay. No. Now it stays in. Stay. <laughs> Son of a pope. Uh, you know. Guys, we've been we, talking about this episode for days. We try days. really hard, okay? <laughs> These guys try hard, but they we suck. We try. We get drunk very early on a Monday. And I'm drinking diet root beer. <laughs> this is just orange juice. I told Jen, after the mom belly comment, I've been try- I, I'm trying to do better today. <laughs> so do you have it? Are you good to go now? <laughs> it is time for the Out of Practice Podcast Best Guest Actor of Season 5. The nominees are Renee Aubergenois. And for the episode, we hold these truths. Ernie Sabella for Brothers Keepers, Home of the Brave, and the case of Harlan Bassett. Michael Emerson for Mr. Hicks Goes to Town. For about three quarters of the whole season. Thank you, thank you. Okay. I'm just gonna cut the music. I'm supposed to fade it out. That's what yeah. happened. I faded That's out, and then when I when I hit it again, it was muted. Trying to be professional, and that's what you know ruins everything for us. So this is actually a little bit interesting as well because this is tough. This is gonna be a tough one. Look, you got it. You got. We only won one Emmy. We did. And it was, uh, you know... Michael uh, Emerson. Michael Emerson. For Mr. Hanks. And Mr. Hanks was great. Although we found the arc to be a little unsatisfying the way they kind of just killed him off. That's true. But that was the writing, not the performance. Correct. Also, Bruce Davidson, he had an entire, like, sort of, like, he got the full treatment. We got to see his mental breakdown and his murderings and his... He did all of this, all of this work and didn't get the Emmy nom. You, You know what? I can tell you what he felt about not getting an Emmy nomination for all of that work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, but he, yeah, he also, you know, he he didn't get the hero kill off like uh, our boy Richard Bay did, even though he was in more of a He was a regular cast member, so he's not (laughs) eligible. Correct, but it felt like Bruce was, is what I'm getting at. Yes, it sure did. It didn't Rene, get a montage. Rene, uh, uh, well, how do you say his last name? Aubergenois. Aubergenois. Sounds like a hockey player. He, uh, you know what? I don't think he's going to win the oopsie here, even though those uh, those Massachusetts che- chewing the sceneries were, he did quite a bit of it. Um, yeah. But he it, did get a bumper, if I'm not mistaken. He did not. No, you're confusing him. I sure am. I am. I am. I, I pay a lot of attention to the show we watch. And <laughs> Um, he, he, you are, yes, you are, uh, hold on, let me see if I can find it. Yes, you are confusing him with. 
We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. This is for you, Jorge. But after a Super Bowl guest star, you've come charging back for more. Charging back for so more. welcome back to the practice. We'll pretend that we don't recognize that you weren't here before in season four. And you massachute the scenery. First you were a judge who was a bit of a dick. Now you are a teacher who's a bit of a dick. In silence of the lambs, you were a bit of a dick. In real life, I'm sure that you're a really nice guy. Welcome back to the practice tonight. Anthony Held, you did not get nominated this year, but you did get a bumper. No, uh, Rene Aubergenois played the judge that Jimmy called Judge Judy. Told the stories, right? Told the stories, that's yeah. right. So, and that was a great episode, but here's the thing, Keith, now I'm gonna make the case for Hakuna Okay, Matata. let's hear it. We talked about uh, Harlan Bassett often being dumb-dumbed up like Jimmy got dumb-dumbed in the writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then given these incredibly emotional uh, emotionally wrought scenes. And then that great close, we'll never forget that close. And we we briefly discussed it on the episode itself, I believe, on the story of, or the case of Harlan Bassett. When you're written uneven like that, with peaks and valleys, it's very easy to overdo it and underdo it and come across cartoonish. And somehow, even looking the way he looks, and he's, look, he's a character actor, he never came across as cartoonish. He somehow played those moments very uh, grounded uh, and remember we saw him at his lowest in that one court case and then we saw him in his ultimate triumph and i just think you know emmy aside at michael emerson aside incredible mr hanks great villain i just don't think i i'm gonna remember harlan bassett is what i will remember from this season when it comes to guest actors and so that's uh yes it was late in the season so that helped it but uh, that's where my heart is. Yeah, that's uh -oh. interesting. And no, I, I I think you're you're very you're on the verge of convincing me. Uh, okay. But I think someone needs to speak up for Michael Emerson, uh, who is who's somewhere in uh, in uh, Chelsea, saying, "I have an Emmy, so I don't necessarily need your fake award." Uh, but like his. That character, right, Mr. Hinks and that episode, Mr. Hinks Goes to Town, is the one of the three things I would remember about the practice, you know, going going back, that is the episode I would watch again first. Uh, and his performance in it is so legendary it spawned so many more of his other characters were written with a lot of hinks in it. Uh, so I, and of course like Bruce Davidson did really good work. I, we were, I think we were annoyed by his character arc, but his work on the series was terrific. Um, but yeah, I know. I, I gotta say, I think I might be with you. I think. And, Ernie you know, Sabella, and, I, what, and what kind of puts, what, what, what teeters the saw for me is, that's not a turn of phrase that anyone has ever said. <laughs> what uh, teeters the saw? I confused teeter totter and seesaw and put them together in the same in a in a similar idiom uh, in, in the same idiom and it became teeters the saw. 
Yes, Which of course. What I twirls the swing? <laughs> Hashtag teeters the saw. Teeters you know, the saw. as creepy as Emerson was, and he's excellent. That was the that was it. He was creepy. He was creepy and intimidating, right. and and you know that's great TV. And he was great. I'm not nothing taking away. I mean, the Emmy he has the Emmy to show for it, but he, more was asked of Ernie Sibella. Now, granted, he was also decapitated, Michael Emerson. So that I think that that. I hope that that uh, fake head is is something he was able to keep from set. Which I, looked nothing like him. It was clearly yeah. like leftover from an episode of Bonanza that they had in the uh, in the stock room somewhere at Paramount. Now it's going to be weird looking at the the season oopsies and seeing uh, Ernie Sabell's face twice. But I know I think he I think he deserves it. Well, okay. Okay. I, I mean, we can call in a lifeline. We can ask CEO Jen to break a tie if we really need to, Keith. But oh, I think we might. Hey, Jen. Although I, I, I think I know where her heart is. But let's 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 bring on the CEO. Jen. CEO who's Jen. Who's in charge? Please, CEO please Jen. Come. Please come here. You're live CEO, on the air. Come CEO. on in. You're live we, on the we air, have Jen. A tie. Come on in. Oh. We have a tie in uh, best What's guest up, actor. What's up, birthday girl? She can't hear you. Uh, we have a, a tie between Ernie Sabella, Ooh, right? Okay. Hakuna Matata and the Harlem Bassett, or yes. Michael Emerson, Mr. Hanks, the bad guy. We got to oh. decide best guest actor. It's so tough because bad guy versus everybody's favorite. Ernie. Oh, look. Question I'm going is this: Emerson. I'm sorry. You know what? Lost wow. Man. I'm going Emerson. Wow. So I mean, he won an Emmy, Jen. He doesn't need yeah. it, but okay. All right. Well, you know, it's uh, the CEO votes are binding and final. Well, there you go. Looks like uh, we had this the old suck out as they call it in poker. Wow. The, teetered the I, saw. You... She teetered the shit out of that saw. She teetered the saw. <laughs> Somewhere in the world Ernie Sabella's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, I so want that pissed. B roll. He's so mad. Emerson's like, okay, I'll put this right next to Miami. <laughs> well, you know what? Uh, Ernie can put it next to his uh, residuals from the Lion King. Yeah, good, so good call. He, he he's doing he's doing fine. All right. Well, congratulations, Michael Emerson, with the CEO save wins wow. best guest. That's insane. Actor. Insane. Anything could happen here on the Oopsies. Anything. Oh my God, the surprises are. Far and wide, we're going to teeter the saw with the Out of Practice Podcast nominees for Best Actor for Season 5 include Kelly Williams for the episodes Germ Warfare, Mr. Hanks Goes to Town, and The Deal, Michael Badalucco, oh, <laughs> I've been using, I've been talking loudly for too long. Of the court, we hold these truths. The confession. Lara Flynn Boyle for summary judgments, appeal and denial, friends and ex-lovers, Gideon's crossover, and the confession. And lastly, Dylan McDermott for summary judgments, the deal, and early frost. And what child is this? Okay, best actor. You know. Before before we get too deep into it, because I, I do have a pretty okay. strong opinion here, I do want to highlight that uh, a, a, a kind of interesting parallel I've I've found. <laughs> this is this is out there, Keith. 
between <laughs> The Practice Season 5 and The Golden Girls. <laughs> In that The Golden Girls was originally written and conceived as a vehicle for B. Arthur, for the Dorothy character. Right. And the ensemble of that show sort of oh, changed the going. whole course yeah. of writing and it became an ensemble piece. And I feel very sim- very similarly here, whereas clearly Dylan McDermott was the kind of vehicle of the show in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten away from that, uh, not because of any demerits that he's earned, but because of the whole ensemble, the power of this ensemble has really proven itself to be where the 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 best part, best the meaty bits of the show is. But yep, this yep. season, even with a diminished workload and some sort of, as is generally the case with Bobby, uneven storylines, uh-huh. he's always excellent. It's like we yeah. talked about before, even when they ask him to go to 11 or 12, and they do that quite often this season, he's always pissed <laughs> off Bobby, he still finds it a w- finds a way to keep it small and to keep it really intense and grounded. Even when he's Bobby's a dick, to, to his 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 fiance his wife uh, he's still a real person with flaws and all uh, even when he's uh, up for murder you could see those stakes uh, you could see how much he cared for his baby he's just excellent I'm talking myself into it right now <laughs> <laughs> but my my feeling prior to talking myself into it was was with Lara Flynn Boyle as we've spoken with especially the last few episodes this has really been her season. And yes. it began with the redemption of Helen. It then it then swerved and became the uh It teetered the saw. It teetered the saw into what was Phoenix's new nickname for her? It was really oh, Judge Helen Dredd. Oh, oh that oh that's very good. I yes. didn't think I saw that. Oh, you didn't see that? I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull that up because it's actually a really insightful comment. Um so I'm torn between Bobby and uh Lara Flynn Boyle and Dylan McDermott. As great as Jimmy was Michael is always excellent. Kelly was excellent in getting blowed up and being pregnant and such. Uh, but my heart is between- She wasn't blown up, unless you're talking about the pregnancy. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about now. Okay. <laughs> I've, I'm retconning my own comment. <laughs> um, let me pull up uh, Phoenix's comment. And yeah, then, well, uh, while, uh, while you do that, I will give the, I, I just did quickly did the analytics here. So Lara won nine best actor oopsies. Michael won five, Kelly won five, and Dylan won six. Okay. So Lara actually ran away with okay. the actual best actor oopsies in the analytics. So uh, the comment was, you know, we were referring to Helen last week as um, Darth Helen. Yeah, Helen McMurderer, lots of yep. things. And we were trying to come up with a good nickname, uh, to which Phoenix said, uh, if your argument is that Helen is lawful evil, then sure, She's Darth Helen. But I might argue that because she prioritizes order and justice over good or evil, she is lawfully neutral, making her Judge Helen Dredd. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, I I actually agree with Phoenix there. And uh, good D&D references. Very good. Uh, Phoenix, I I hope you listen to my D&D podcast. I mean, honestly, if you're going to make a lawful neutral argument, you've got to be listening to Wisdom of One. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think she is. Well, but is she lawful, though? Well, that's the question. Because she's murdering people is not lawful. She might she's she's not using the law to murder somebody. 
Well, I guess she did. I mean, she's always using the police to do it. I don't know. I, they, like, we should do like a separate podcast about what all of these characters' uh, D and D inclinations are. Oh, that's funny. Because she's she's certainly the most complex. Because she's not evil. She's just willing to do whatever it takes to do what she think is thinks is right, including murdering people. With the tools she has at her disposal. Yeah. With what she has. Interesting. All right, I'm going to give that some more thought, Phoenix, because I think that's good. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... Uh, but as an actress. As an actress. I mean, I, I personally, I think I agree with what, with what you said. I think it is Helen's season. I think it's Lara Flynn Boyle's season. And I, I said this last week that uh, I really like them writing the character as complex as she is. And this season, she wasn't just written as like this sexy lady grabbing dicks and, and like having pie fights with <laughs> with Lindsay. Uh, and this actually allowed her to be the character that she is. Her relationship uh, with Richard Bay wasn't about who's gonna fuck whom, it was about the idea of the law and the idea of being a prosecutor. And I think we saw the whole range of what being a prosecutor can be through through Helen's arc. The good, the bad, and the neutral. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, I mean, my votes my votes for Larry Flynn Ball. I really, you know, Dylan had some terrific work. Uh, his arc about being accused of murder or charged with murder, I would definitely... This could have been Dylan's season with that, but they sort of threw that into just like a couple of episodes. That mm. that arc felt very underweight to me. Um, whereas Helen really just be beginning, middle, and ending of the season carried the show a little bit. Lara Flynn did. Yeah, I I can't uh, I can't find any reason to argue against that, and so I think it's uh, pretty unanimous. Wow, look at that. Wait, is there any Sabella going to steal it again anywhere? No, okay, no, Jen no. has Jen is back to the puzzle. So, Okay, well, congratulations, Lara Flynn Boyle, with your season five best actor. Oopsie. Wow. All right, it is now time for the best episode of season five of The Practice. The nominees are Show and Tell, Mr. Hanks Goes to Town, The Confession, and The Case of Arlen Bassett. Okay. This oh. is, I think, this is what's interesting about season five. Because we're going to talk about it in the tires. Enough of the applause. Uh, we're going to talk about it in the tires. That, uh, Season five, we talked about it earlier, is very inconsistent and doesn't finish their thoughts very well. The storylines don't really finish that well. However, in terms of individual yes. episodes, I think this this has the greatest collection of individual episodes of the whole series. And uh, just... Mr. Hinks Goes to Town, The Case of Harlan Bassett, The Confession, even, I just think are dynamite, dynamite episodes of television. And uh, it's going to be really hard to pick a best episode here because I think 
any one of these four might win any other season. And uh, yeah, so give me your thoughts. Well, remind me the plot summary of Show and Tell. Show and Tell was the the fake documentary about Bruce Davidson's right. the actual case, um, the first time before they reconvicted him and you know shots fired and such. So it was the it was I think Alex Graves directed it. It was the one um, the the sort of the sequel to the mockumentary from season two. Um, same documentary crew mm-hmm. and yep. and just it was a single. It was just about that one case. And uh, was sort of splicing and interviewing of the characters, doing sort of talking heads as we saw the case unfold. You know, we love the case of Harlan Bassett so much. And I think the IMDb folks and all the people who watch the show do because it encapsulates that underdog story. And it's one of the few times that you get the celebratory, elating release. Feel good. Yeah. A nice, uh, good old-fashioned release at the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, the confession, is that, is that's, which one is that? Is the that season finale? The confession was, no, the confession was the exploration of uh, that, the, the guy that, speaking of Helen, uh, got to sort of do a, tricked into a confession. Right. And uh, and then we, we sort of went through several rounds of the court system appealing it and finally getting the case thrown out because of Helen's uh, shitty way that she got the confession. She pretended that there was one where George W. Bush is like, she's going to, George W. Bush is going to execute you in Massachusetts and this, that, the other thing. And the governor's here and it was all a lie. Yeah, that I think legally that one uh, really stands out as it it was one of those ones that discusses the issues Mm-hmm. more neutrally than generally is the case. Uh, there's no real finger on either side of the, of the seesaw as much, uh, and we always enjoy that. It's hard not to really focus in on Mr. Hinks Goes to Town and the case of Harlan Bassett. As we mm-hmm. have stated, at this point in the sort of run of the series, they're able to really focus in when they are able to bring on a, an incredible guest star and let them do the heavy lifting. And yep. take away some of the baggage of maybe storylines that we have written ourselves into a corner or uh, whatever might be happening in the sort of grand arc at the time. Uh, you know, once again, it's tough at this point because Harlan Bassett's so fresh in our minds. Uh, but I am thinking back to the the sort of arc that brought us Mr. Hanks Goes to Town um, this and Mr. Hanks goes to town was the first, correct? That was the first one. That that was where the actual trial, where uh, he was saying I'm a serial killer and convinced his therapist mm-hmm. that he was lying, and so he did the whole turnaround by yep. telling the truth in such a way as to make us believe it was a lie, and that's why he uh, got off for murder. Uh, it, as far as analytics goes, which got our highest ranking? Ah, here we go. So show and tell. Got 8.625. The Confession got 8.72. The Case of Harlan Bassett got 9.435. And Mr. Hinks Goes to Town got 9.925. So that's I, as close as we will ever give to a perfect score. Yeah, I think. well, I, I gave Mr. Hinks Goes to Town a perfect 10. Okay, so my instinct is, once again, to go to Hakuna Matata and say uh, that episode 
there were ups, there were downs, there were shouts. Uh, but I am leaning towards believing my great score and believing the perfect 10 and honoring it. So give me your strong, since you do research, give me your strong <laughs> argument uh, for okay. for Hanks. Well, he's already got an well, Emmy and an Oopsie Season Award. So That's true. That's true. Well, Mr. Hanks Goes to Town appeals to the kid in me. I love the twists and turns and the scene the scenery chewing and the murder and he's exciting and he's the bad guy and it's like twisty turning. The confession appeals to the adult in me, which all of the, uh, the, the interesting, complex, uh, not dumbed down exploration of, uh, of, of the, the legal arguments and your rights during a, uh, interrogation. And I found that really fascinating and that appeals to the adult. The case of Harlan Bassett appeals to the guy in me who needs a hug. Mm. And uh, that guy's large these days. It, so getting harder and harder to hug. <laughs> but I'll I'll tell you this: the one reason uh, I choose Mister Hinks goes to town is if I had Desert Island, you can you can take one VHS copy mm. of one episode of The Practice. I do Mister Hinks goes to town. And I'll tell you why. Because it's more rewatchable. It's more uh, interesting. Once you know what the outcome is going to be, once you, once you know the twist, once you know the verdict, I want to go back and watch that again to see how it unfolded with that knowledge, to watch Emerson's performance, to watch him play everyone like a fiddle. Because you watch it the first time, like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's happening here. I, like, I don't know, is he evil, is he not, is he did it or not? And then they watch it the second time, it's like, all right, how did he pull this off? Mm -hmm. How did he do that? Whereas the case of Harlan Bassett, once you know he wins, it sort of neuters the stakes previously. And all of the, uh, like, you see how nervous he is and how much, you know, and how, and of course you know he's going to win. But, like, to know it for sure, all of the machinations leading up to it have lower stakes once we know that he won. Well... Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bolster that by, as I've marinated on a little bit. Episodes of television are, are forever, right? Like classic episodes of television are. Forever. Well, they are now, yeah. Yeah, but you know what is, what is more memorable than a great episode of television, mm. a great moment of television, and mm. for me, obviously, as our, as our audience knows, I'm ill prepared for everything we do. Uh, even remembering the the hot bits of these episodes, I just watched this season uh, in spending a hundred hours with you, Keith, uh, elude me. But that moment of realizing, damn, this he premeditated all of this. He pulled the wool over everyone's eyes. Even mm -hmm. though we questioned, I questioned the therapist from the beginning, I still didn't know that he was playing a trick on a trick on a trick. Um, right, right, right. I know that you know that he knows that I know. And right, right. that in that moment, I remember just being dumbfounded. It's an excellent performance. It's a great piece of writing. It was a great, uh, it was a great acute hand of directing to not lay it on so thick that we knew from the beginning so that we kind of went along for the ride. That right. moment encapsulated a great episode in what has turned out to be a pretty pretty good season. So 
I think you're right in that Mr. Hanks goes to town. Not that we need to shower it with any more praise. I think it is generally accepted as one of the best episodes, if not the best episode. Uh, I think we're we're along for that ride, and I think we have to pat Mike and Keith on the back for our ratings at the time and say and award it at the end of the season. And there it is. The winner is Mr. Hanks goes to town. Somehow we're still doing the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. The nominees are Feasting on Fingernails, Tom Brady. T-Moon, Tom Brady. Tom Brady getting steamy in his car listening to Creed, Tom Brady. Tom Brady jamming with Ray Charles and Judge Judy Brady. Non-sequitur Dunkaroos product placement, Tom Brady. Eight-month pregnant, Tom Brady. Of dollars coming out of his ass, Tom Brady. <laughs> Poisonous swing set, Tom Brady. Pippin Brady. <laughs> Satire overkilled, Tom Brady. Harland Brady running up the Philadelphia Art Museum steps, Tom Brady. Keith and Mike being crushed under the weight of Tom Brady and his seven Super Bowl trophies, Tom Brady. Tom Brady's uniform caught in the trunk of a car as it speeds away, Tom Brady. Uh, how long have I been in that Tupperware, Tom Brady? Lara Flynn Brady, Tom Brady. Uh, but I'm not pregnant, Tom Brady. Crossing over, Tom Brady. Tom Brady having a baby <laughs> Wins. <laughs> he didn't even read it. Oh, Tom Brady having a baby delivered by CC Pal. <laughs> Tom Brady throwing a bomb, but a literal bomb, Tom Brady. Hugh Brady. Tom Brady's head and Keith's actual freezer, Tom Brady. Lucy finding Tom Brady's lifeless body in her desk drawer, Tom Brady. Tom Brady eating a Helen McBobby sandwich, Tom Brady. And that's all the Tom Bradys. Oh. Ooh. Girl. Ooh. Oh, we, I, <laughs> we, it, I, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sad for the world that they don't get to see how many times we had to work on that. Yeah, that to didn't make go that happen. as smoothly as we had really hoped. Yeah, you know, you know what's going to go more smoothly? Uh, the legal case against us, if anything ever happens to Tom Brady. Because I don't think I realized it until just then how many times we horribly murdered Tom Brady. Or we you did. did. Not me. Point, I did not come up with them. To the point where we had to actually make a, a self-referential comedy bit about uh, that we overkilled him. We decapitated Tom Brady twice in 22 episodes. He was found lifeless in uh, in several things including a drawer and a tupperware he crossed over mm -hmm. this uh, is he this showed is up on good. star trek he literally crossed over this, this is not good this is, we, are, we are definitely in trouble if anything ever happens now two to things i'd like to point out before we move on number one is that uh to the chagrin of probably everyone listening uh going through those has re solidified my absolute <laughs> commitment to this segment because that is funny. But the one that made me laugh the most, and i it's not even one I did myself, although I will say that the Tupperware one does make me chuckle. They're all incredible. But this one particularly, 
simply because his face is so perfectly analogous to the situation we've put him into. That's my <laughs> pick. Tom Brady having a baby. <clears throat> Tom Brady having a baby delivered by CCH Pounder. Yeah, uh, no, I, I I like it. I like it. I think it's uh it's specific. It's actually a scene. Uh, you know, the the picture is a scene from the episode itself. So, uh, yeah, no, I think I'm with you. So, uh, congratulations to Tom Brady uh, having a baby delivered by CCH Pounder as the winner of the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Oh my God! Did we do it? We did not, because we have the biggest award. <laughs> We have to give out some season tires for the out of no for the practice season five. Oh, good guy. All right. Oh boy. Oh well, boy. Uh, did you whew. do a collective? Did you do a, a a season average? I sure did. I did do have my analytics for this. Okay, for for the season, uh, with rankings going as high as ten. And as low as 4.5, I gave this season an episode ranking of 7.68. You, with uh, rankings as high as 9.85 and as low as 6, although both of the low numbers are fake because uh, that was the uh, Gideon's crossover, which I, 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 I have to say is definitely non-canon in the practice and yeah. the out-of-practice podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Non-canon. <laughs> that was some fanfic that went horribly wrong. <laughs> Everything about that went a direction that not even we could have anticipated. You know, we don't do the worst episode anymore because the, the, the practice is too good. But if we did one for oops, mm -hmm. that would be a uh, <clears throat> series low. Anyway, uh, you <laughs> gave this season a 7.84 average spare tires now in case you're wondering uh because who isn't how did that compare to season four well you liked this season two one hundredths of a point more than last season and i liked last season seven hundredths of a point better than this season so the season average was 7.76 Last season was 7.79. And for comparison, the lowest one is season one at 6.77. So like the arc of the entire series, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And this season had a rough start for me, if I recall. The Bruce Davidson mm -hmm. thing just, just got a little long. And we were really questioning at uh, multiple points where we were going. But... Mm -hmm. Also, the crossovers as a whole, I feel, were not helpful. No. <laughs> uh, of course, it's hard to view them. You can't view some of them in the in the scope of practice because they weren't really on this show, obviously. Right. But man, did we bring it home strong? I the last six episodes are real, real strong episodes uh, this season, and that has really changed my viewpoint. Uh, you know, actually, things change a little bit for me when I realize that, oh, my God, there's eight seasons. And because I keep waiting for Bobby to leave, right? That's like the big shoe I'm waiting to to drop from the ceiling or the sky or however, from the seesaw. <laughs> the teeters from the seesaw? 
I love, you know, there wasn't a huge, uh, there wasn't a huge cliffhanger this season, mm -hmm. but, but yet I still am just so, so fascinated to see where we're going to go next. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens with Helen? What do we do with that character? Where's Bobby's head at? Where's Eugene? Where is anyone's head at? You know, it, it's, it's really kind of cool and it really rewards uh, longtime watchers. That said, there were uh, quite a few uh, missteps this season, uh, or just un and and in the in the sake of in uneven writing and some just like scenes that can kind of felt like out of nowhere and some decisions and even some like trolling that took place uh, by dropping the name of other episodes and shows. Just like some there was some clearly yeah. some bad some stuff happened that I, I wish we could be privy to that we're not. Strong season. And it had some. It had probably the best episode of the series. Yeah, possibly the best not, too. It's hard not to. It's really hard to do this. Uh, I want to give it a straight eight point oh. Okay, just like a straight eight point oh. I feel like it's in the upper echelon. I like it better. I like where it, I like where we got. I like where we got, and I want to leave a little buffer for where we're going. Okay. And and for point of reference, for season oopsies last year, you gave it 8.5. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That feels great then. Yeah. Yeah. So that, make, that makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel similarly to you. I think season five definitely had the highest highs, but it was the most inconsistent. It didn't have some of like the real stinkers like season two had. Yeah. You sex had it, you know, and, and sex lies and monkeys. It did not have any like terrible episodes. It did have some missteps. We we certainly really did not like the undercutting of uh, Lindsay's storyline uh, as the rape counselor, and I think that that was the biggest misstep of the season. Um, the crossovers definitely hurt it. Mm -hmm. Like it was not helped by either crossover, um, and. Uh, it was the most, it was the season I was most aware of it being a television show. It it felt like it was the most interfered with season from the network, um, you know, including the, the crossovers and also like the referencing the other show that they'd crossed over, you know, you can't live in the same universe as Boston Public and yet still have it exist on the thing. It, stuff like that is... You know, I get it. It's like a little inside joke. You're trying to help your show and like, but it's just kind of sloppy. Mm -hmm. And this isn't the type of show that can do that. 30 Rock can do that. You know, and, and, and in fact, uh, Boston Legal, those of you who have seen it, that plays with the fourth wall a little bit, but the practice doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's where I feel like it really did sort of, it was a little disappointing that they couldn't all be at the level of these of these great episodes. And of course, it, it can you can't have a Mr. Hanks comes to town every single week. It d doesn't make an, in context. It would weaken Mr. Hanks comes to town. But you can you can just do a little bit better storytelling. There's missed opportunities. Um, you know, uh, Bobby's uh, case getting tried for murder. I wanted to rewrite the end of that. I wanted to rewrite the end of. Uh, public servants and and there were just sort of some 
missed opportunities. Now that said, if I have 10 episodes to watch of the entire series, like three or four of them are from season five. So that's, that's kind of a big deal. Um, so I'm actually, last season I gave a nine. And I think that while this season has episodes that are peak the practice, that are the pinnacle of the practice, the season itself w was very, very good, but not quite there. So I'm going to give it 8.5 spare tires. I, th I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, interestingly. 8.25, uh, there we are. But we both lost uh, half a point, half a tire uh, from season four. Uh, but a very interesting season, a very compelling season. Uh, so, uh, and the table's set. The table's set. The table is set. The table is set. So, uh, congratulations on your eight point two five. And uh, now, it's time every meal should uh, be finished with a little dessert. So I'm gonna start, Keith. I'm gonna. Oh, you're you gonna off start. Right you start. Yeah, oh shit! I got some things. Uh, oh, just no. some I'm little things, but I know you blew it out a little bit more. Uh, first, I want to point out, uh, I want to thank CEO Jen again for giving the green light for us for season six. I'm sure our longtime listeners uh, agree. But, <clears throat> you know, I want to leave a little bit of, a, I want to whet the appetite. We've been told that uh, sex sells. And uh, we need to uh, sex up the show a little bit. So I have two little things here, Keith, uh, to show just a tidbit of where we're going uh, in this day in the basement and beyond. Uh, where we are headed, you know, before the end of the run of the practice, Keith and I will meet, literally. We will. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just want to remind people, I'm not, not going to give away too much, but I just want people to know that I do have the receipts. And uh, at, oh, some no! point, <laughs> at some point, uh, we're going to get to see <laughs> some hot moves. <laughs> oh, my God, that wig. Jesus Christ! I had to keep. There are there are bits of it that you have forbade me to ever show. You damn so I could, right. I found about sixteen frames <laughs> that, I that you could you show without me quitting the yeah. podcast. But what I this this is uh, me. I, I'm the guy in the horrible blonde wig and white pants <laughs> playing the playing violin. The violin. Um, but my favorite part of this actually is, is oh, more no. inside to Keith and I. It's just that uh, the guy in the middles is, a, is our colleague, Devin, and he is, they, they had to reuse cast members in this show because there weren't enough of us to go around. <laughs> we so they just nice. put that terrible little mustache on him. Time to said, make uh, the no, donuts. <laughs> no one will know it's you. <laughs> it's just clearly him with a mustache. Oh, it's terrible. Okay, so that's one wow. thing. I, that's wow. one thing I wanted to show. Uh, yeah. Also, some great moves there, Keith. I think we all are. No, oh, I uh, really. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. This is why you need to go on the YouTube because that's that's worth a, it's yeah. worth a view. Um, and the other, the last thing I want to show here, uh, we won't actually get to this portion of our, uh, um, our lives, Keith. But I do want to share it because. Uh, People asked for more sex on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, to embarrass the hell out of both of us, I'm going to show you uh, that sex does sell. <laughs> oh, my God. Get ready for it, folks. Jesus Lord. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> 
jeez, I'm crow. And back to the, <laughs> I guess that was the West Wing winning. <laughs> that, yeah, apparently. Wow. Yeah. I first off, uh, until uh, I saw that, didn't even know that that existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does. I. Uh, whew, uh, first off, that was. Uh, a song that uh, Stuart McMeans wrote, and at some point, the, we should play the recording of the whole song because I think yeah, that beautiful. particular song is a masterpiece. Uh, yes, it's very good. Good job, Stewie. Uh, and you know how I said that when I bought this coat, I was like 60, 65 pounds lighter? Yes. I was maybe 20, 10, 15 pounds lighter than that, even there. I was probably, good lord, eat a sandwich. I was probably 165 pounds for that, uh, which is uh, no longer true, in case oh, you're wondering. So that was uh, I was yeah that that was a that was a thing. I, I tell that story sometimes. I I was doing um, uh, a show called Take One, which um, I also had to kiss a dude in. Um, who is the the guy on Drag Race now? Um, there's this little girl there who p- called me up after the show, and was like, "Hey, I just have a question." I'm like, yeah, I was like, "What's it like kissing a guy?" And I was like, "Well, it's pretty much the same as kissing a girl, except for one thing that I found very surprising the first time I did it, and that was stubble." Yep. That was it's especially on stage because you're performing a, a character like you know you're kissing people you you're not interested in in all sorts of times, and uh, so it's like you, your character you, you're just acting you're doing your shit, but the stubble that Takes you was out of it a little bit. I, I was like, what what it, that was the thing. So there it is, folks. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so where do you want to start, Keith? Okay, I would like to start. Uh, with my favorite audio clip of uh, this season, which unfortunately, because we don't videotape during the episode, we don't have video for this. Uh, but this is a particular piece of glory from our friend, Mr. Indeglio, after we won the case of the uh, poisonous slides, which caused a certain medical condition that will be referenced. Please enjoy. Madam Foreperson, the jury has rendered its verdict. We have, Your Honor. What say you? In the matter of Stephen Jameson et al. versus the Environmental Protection Agency, we find in favor of the plaintiff and order the defendant to pay damages in the amount of $72 million. Holy shit! (laughs) Lindsay's the rainmaker! Wife was right. Wife was right. I don't care that my ass is leaking. I'm just going to plug it up with money. Millions and millions. Plug my ass with millions. Millions and millions of dollars in my ass to protect it from that anal leakage the slide caused. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I'm setting that to a beat later. (laughs) Massachusetts. My ass. EPA. So do you remember having done that? That was a... Uh, that's a thing I did, yes. I do now remember that. That, mm. that was a real thing, and we uh, we were all better for it. That's uh, funny. The, uh, the next one is a video clip, and this was uh, 
for the crossover with Boston Public, uh, we had our good friend Anthony Held playing Vice Principal <laughs> Gruber. Goober. Gruber? Goober. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> and uh, we were... <laughs> We were handing him his Oopsie Award, and this happened. On the show. Well, I think we have a we have a toss up between Dookie. <laughs> Dookie. <laughs> That's a Dookie. In Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Dookie, 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 Dookie. Massachusetts. Massive, 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 Massachusetts. Massive Dookie. <laughs> it's. Dookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Anthony Held, I truly, <laughs> profoundly wish that you have listened to the last episodes. <laughs> Well, I think we have a we have a toss up between Dookie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! (laughs) I get Massachusetts in Massachusetts. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, you. Losing your shit is something that I enjoy a great deal. Uh, you laughing at your own antics for an outrageous uh, amount of time is is one of my favorite things. I'm just uh, an asshole. That's why. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna leave us with something a little bit more serious. Okay. Uh, which we recorded on uh, just the day after um, the assault on our capital, uh, the insurrection, and we were both feeling. Um, you know, kind of, kind of torn up, kind of upset about what had happened uh, with our country, and so uh, you'll see on this video we have uh, we have flags behind us, and we, um, so, in the in the uh, in the interest of how serious a situation that was, this is how we finished the show. God damn it! That you're setting me up to be. In- <laughs> Should I put my should I superimpose myself? You should definitely superimpose yourself okay. again. That was awesome. All right, here we go. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, our country uh, depends on people like you being compassionate, and uh, we urge you to do so. Laser sounds, yeah. bombs bursting in air with laser sounds. <laughs> laser sounds. Really stuck the landing there, didn't we? <laughs> Holy shit, that's bad. That's that's bad even for me. Bombs bursting in air with lasers. I'm gonna advocate for compassion. Bombs bursting in air, lasers. I'm going to call for national unity, but I really need to impress upon you this stupid, silly pun I try to end the episode with, which I've never successfully done. I'm just I, can, gonna... I, can, I can see the wheels turning. <laughs> Are you going to go from compassion? <laughs> now you 
gonna get from that toy? We just lambasted them for trying to shoehorn in the crossover's name into the title, and yet I still gotta get laser sounds in, man. <laughs> and I can see as you panic, you saw. The uh, and that kept going. I, I'm so sad you faded it out because that was wow. That bombs bursting in air, laser, laser sound. sound. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. I, one of my other favorites was uh you know when we were just talking about the kind of legacy of your grandfather <laughs> and oh, right. i'm like i'm trying to like get in some sort of like heavenly thing and i was like i'm talking to an atheist here's a guy <laughs> i'm like let me try to see, make sure his grandpa is doing <laughs> advocacy work in the afterlife <laughs> well that's hey, not even that's not even the part that i remember about that <laughs> because <laughs> it finishes but then I'm talking like, well, you know, he was he was a good man. He left the world a better place. And then I was convinced that Charlie, the cat, had shit under my desk because he farted so hard under my desk. I like shit entered all of the. It was you could chew it in the air. <laughs> oh, uh, oh man! So well, <clears throat> thanks, well, Grandpa. <laughs> we uh, we did it, folks. We got we, to season six. We did it, yeah, and we've been renewed for season six. So, folks, uh, thank you. You know, we we always sort of finish the season with a thank you to you, our uh, loyal audience, and it, it we really, really appreciate uh, you sticking around and uh, communicating with us and uh, being a part of it with us. I think that's a really big, it's a big deal for us. I mean, you know, this podcast really isn't like, <laughs> believe me, it's not going to lead to fame and fortune. But it is something that I enjoy greatly, uh, and it is a highlight of my week to get to hang out with with you, Mike, and to, uh, you know, do some stupid shit. Yeah, as uh, the numbers have borne out, uh, not only, you know, it's it's great to have a lot of you to, to, to chit-chat with and joke with and, and meme with in real time, uh, but I recognize that a lot of you uh, are way behind and, and will watch this well after we're finished and uh, or and or listen so you know for those of you who have been with us in real time uh, a hearty thank you not just for listening and, and having a ball with us but this has been a this has been a year uh that yeah sure has i don't think anyone will soon forget and our, our little community here has been in no small part uh one of the one of the re one of the ways i've gotten through it up here yep. and so a mm -hmm. thank you to you keith to to those listening and those of you who are just a part of the team listening on your drive somewhere. Uh, we wish you health and the best of luck in whatever time you're listening. And uh, we look forward to seeing where this little ragtag band of misfits go in season six. Yes, indeed. Well, folks, you have gotten through the season five Oopsie Awards. Thank you so much. If you would like to reach out and talk to us, tell us who your season Oopsies were. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. Check out our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. While you're there, you're already on the internet. You're typing shit. You're thinking about the show. Do us a huge favor. Join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting service of your choice. We will read it on the air. We will welcome you personally to the jury. 
The Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, Cloud Lover 69, Jorge Novoa, and Jennifer Masanova. You know what? They're the only ones that give us money. <laughs> That's true. But you can do. I mean, have we checked do so. lately? I don't actually don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but <laughs> somebody at, out there gave us at, like ten thousand dollars. It's like fuck you. At one point, somebody gave us money. Maybe you will too, or maybe you have better uses for it. In which case, please do. In the interim, <laughs> in the interim, I just want to say bombs bursting in air to Dookie and beyond. Laser sounds. See you next week. <laughs> Laser sounds.